time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. Revivalists, revival. Last week, we defined this word revival. Does anybody remember what we said revival means? Come on. To revive something, okay, without using the word in the definition, Ruthann. To bring something back to life. And in the context of church or or faith, we talked about going back to the original vision, the original thing that God called us to. And for us, it was passion, intercession, consecration, mission. Those boards are on there, not just for cute decoration, but it's a reminder. This is what Jesus has called this youth ministry to. It's called you two if you're a part of this. You see what I'm saying? So we talked about revivalists and we started off with clearing the stage and crushing the idols. Because you'll never do anything great for the kingdom of God as long as you allow there to be idols in your life. You'll never do anything great. Gotta crush crush the um, idols. So we're continuing in our revivalist series. We're gonna look at a revivalist from the Old Testament. Okay, arguably one of the most amazing leaders in the Bible. I love him. I love the story of this guy. This guy found his nation in a terrible state. Okay, the nation of Israel. There is national war taking place. They lost all of their vision and their passion for God. Some of you could even look at your generation right now. Some of you can look at some of your friend circles. Some of you can look at your classmates and your teammates and say, Oh my gosh, like that's just the state there and like no passion for God. Like nobody wants to, you know, serve God and just do what's right and love people and forgive. So that's where this guy was. There was discouragement due to an enemy nation that was just continuously defeating them. I mean, they were just pounding on the Israelites. Samuel is used mightily by the Lord. He encourages the people to cast away all of the distractions that are stealing their devotion to God. And I just want to read the rest. If you have your Bible, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 5. 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 5. So Old Testament, right? If you're turning there, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, keep going, Deuteronomy, right? I was there. If you're there, if you're not there, just say, hold up, hold up. <laughs> Sam, do you even have a Bible? Are you even looking it up? You're sharing a Bible. And both of y'all aren't there yet? No, we have <laughs> It's all his fault, right? <laughs> all right, we're there. First Samuel. Now it's up on the screen as well. Starting at verse five. It says, then Samuel told them, them being the nation of Israel, right? Gather all of Israel to Mizpah. Everybody say, Mizpah. I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered at Mizpah. Everybody say, Mizpah. And in a great ceremony, drew water from a well and poured it out before the Lord. They also went without food all day and confessed that they had sinned against the Lord. It was at Mizpah, everybody, that Samuel became Israel's judge. When the Philistine rulers heard that Israel had gathered at Mizpah, they mobilized their army and they advanced. So the Israelites were badly frightened 
when they learned that the Philistines, <clears throat> that the Philistines were approaching. Verse 8 says, don't stop pleading with the Lord our God to save us from the Philistines. They begged Samuel. Verse 9 says, so Samuel took a young, a young lamb and offered it to the Lord as a whole burnt offering. He pleaded with the Lord to help Israel, and the Lord answered him. Verse 10 says, just as Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines arrived to attack Israel. But the Lord spoke with a mighty voice of thunder from heaven that day. And the Philistines were thrown into such confusion that the Israelites defeated them. The men of Israel chased them from Mizpah to a place below Bethkar, slaughtering them all along the way. Verse 13 says, So the Philistines were subdued and didn't invade Israel again for some time. And throughout Samuel's lifetime, here's a crucial part, throughout Samuel's lifetime, the Lord's powerful hand was raised against the Philistines. Everybody bow your heads right where you are. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that it is powerful. It's exciting. It's relevant. It's real. It's impacting. It's transforming. And it is anointed. I thank you so much for what you're going to speak to us over these next 20 minutes or so. And I thank you that hearts will leave this place totally different than how they came. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And thank you for all the warm weather in Colorado because you love me. All right. Okay, so I want to talk to you guys tonight, if you're taking, uh, or today, if you're taking notes, the message title is, shh, just turn to the person behind you and say, shh, come on, turn to the person next to you, don't spit on them, but just shush them, don't you hate when people shush you, oh, what are you shushing me for, I'm almost 30 years old, don't shush me, <laughs> It's, it's really funny, in, in class where I'm going to be this week, I'm taking class at ORU, so I'm flying out to Tulsa tonight, right after Indian in the cupboard, Sunday, fun day, one day a month, driving to Denver, flying to Tulsa, getting in around 11, get up for class, 8.30, 5.30 every day. Crazy. We have one person, um, and it's like a 40-something-year-old um, like pastor, and so like whenever people are talking, he's, I mean, it's a, a female pastor, and so she's, she'll just like turn to you and just be like, shh, and we all look at each other like, I mean, like, we're, we're all adults here. Like, we don't need you to shush us. And so it's just the funniest thing because all of us just look at each other like, why are you shushing us? Like, if we want to say something, you know? So, shh, it's annoying sometimes. But message title this morning, one more time. Everybody just look at me and just say, shh. That's good. Shh. Message title, shh. Revivalist, week two. Samuel was a judge a prophet, and a priest to Israel, okay? He's one of the rare people who walked in all these different offices. He was a pretty special guy. So at this point in time, the nation of Israel was led by what we call judges. Everybody say judges. So it was the before the time of the king. So at this point, there was no one person that was like, everybody was like, bow down to me. Like I'm running all the show. Like it was this system of judges. And so whenever, you know, you would have some kind of disagreement with a neighbor or family, or you needed some type of direction, you would go to one of the judges. And so that's what, that's the, uh, the era of time that we're in, in the book 
um, of 1 Samuel in the nation of Israel. So it was led by judges. They directed the people and they settled all these different issues. So Samuel would fit our revivalist title, okay, our definition because he, one, called the nation back to God. He called the nation back to God. Number two, he challenged them to live wholly for the Lord and no other God. And number three, because he turned their hearts to God. He would fall under our category of revivalists. Because remember what revival is, it's, it's bringing back to life. It's saying, hey, you've, this is not where you're supposed to be. Let me call you back to reality, to life, to truth. And so Samuel would fit this, this definition of a revivalist. But here's the deal. Everyone say this. What does that have to do with me, Pastor Brandon? I'm so glad you asked. This is, y'all are just so great. Just flowing with me. What does that have to do with you? I believe that there are some things that Samuel did in his early years of life that prepared him to be used as a revivalist. Okay? Early in his life. You see, I don't think that being a revivalist just happens. Like you wake up one morning, you're like, man, I'm going to do something great. I'm going to call my nation, my family, my friends back to, to living for Jesus Christ. Doesn't just kind of happen like that. I believe it takes living a lifestyle of worship to the Lord. But I want to focus on one simple key, one simple charge, one simple challenge, one simple trait that I believe that Samuel possessed that put him light years ahead of others. Anybody like to be like ahead of their friends, like in class, like maybe, you know, no, really raise your hand. Like nobody wants to be like, yeah, okay, cool. Like even academically, like anybody have dreams or aspirations of like being in the top 10, whatever, or 5% of your class. Okay, cool. Okay. So, so here's the deal. So, so even whenever it comes to you leading, even whenever it comes to you seizing the purposes of God for your life, There are some things that you can do in this season of your life that will put you light years ahead of so many others as you go through this walk and this journey with Jesus. And it's not just to say that, hey, I'm a better Christian than you. No, 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 no. It's so that you can rise up and you can lead and you can be an influencer. You can say, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. Just like Paul said, you guys, hey, you can follow me. Hey, you can, I didn't just kind of start this yesterday. Like I've been serving Jesus for a little bit of time now and I I know who he is and I can help you. I can help you discover who God is in your life. You know, let me pray for you. Let me encourage you. I believe that there are some things that Samuel did early in his life that put him light years ahead. And this is why I believe whenever Samuel was born, or before Samuel was born, his mom's name. Anybody know Samuel's mom's name? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Ruth calls Hannah. Hannah was Samuel's mom. Hannah could not get pregnant. She was having a health complication, some issues. And she, so, she, so she prayed. It's like stuttering Sunday for me. I don't know what's going on. So she prayed. And God blessed her with Samuel, Right? And so she made this vow to the Lord that she was going to dedicate Samuel to God's house. Like, that's just where he's going to be. And so he served this priest by the name of, anybody of you just kind of know it? His name is Eli. Eli. Okay. So Samuel's mom's name is? 
Okay, the priest in town's name was Eli. Eli, And Samuel had a father name. Oh, very good. No, not Jacob. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) No, Elkanah. Okay, everybody say Elkanah. Okay, so dad was, mom was, priest was. Very good. Okay, so Elkanah, Hannah, they um, go to this place called Shiloh. Everybody say Shiloh. Shiloh, if you're here, make some noise. Everybody give Shiloh. Is Shiloh here this morning? There's Shiloh. Shiloh, everybody went to Shiloh to worship. I mean, so Shiloh was like, where it was at? I mean, Shiloh is like thebomb.com. You know what I'm saying? So Shiloh was literally, it was the organized place where everybody would come to worship, literally. So let's all follow the, no, I'm just joking. Shiloh, that's a great, great name. Your, your parents knew what they were doing. So they all went to Shiloh to worship. This is where the priest, what's his name again? Eli. Eli lived. But Eli had two sons, okay? Hophni and Phineas. Okay, like Phineas and Herb, sort of. Herb, Phineas and Herb. Is it Herb or Herb? I don't know. Ferb, it's an F? I don't want, I'm sorry. Okay, so like Phineas and Ferb, Herb, Herb, Fer, what? Ferb. Like Ferb and Phineas, there was Hophni and Phineas. So minus the Ferb and put Phineas and put Hophni and you got Eli's sons. So what's Eli's son's name? Phineas and thank you very much. So we have Samuel whose father is oh ain't no 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 Eli Elkanah Elkanah sorry I made the thing about okay so Elkanah okay his mother was Okay, the priest in charge was, and where the police, priest lived, where everybody worshiped, was known as, and Eli had two sons named, yeah, Hophni, Phineas, Phineas, and Hophni. As long as you don't stick Ferb in there, you'll be okay. Ferb, Ferb, I got it right, Ferb. Okay, so cool. So Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phineas, were evil, and I mean like evil to the core. Okay. Some of you maybe have been called evil, like evil children. Wait, you ain't got nothing on Hophni and Phineas. Okay. They were like sinning, like nobody's business. Everything God said to do, they just completely do the opposite. Everything their father asked them to do as priests, they just say, Oh no, we're not going to do that. We're just going to do our own thing. So Hophni and Phineas, these are sons of Eli. Okay. Eli's two biological sons. So whenever Hannah gave birth to Samuel, Samuel went and lived with Eli and his two sons. Right. So here's the deal, you guys. What is it? What is it that would have separated Hophni and Phinehas from Samuel? Because they all lived in the temple. They all lived with Eli. Eli was basically taking care of Samuel. Because remember that promise that Hannah made to the Lord? She says, God, if you give me a son, I will dedicate him to the house of the Lord and he will stay there all the days of his life. So she followed through this the very next year whenever she got pregnant. After eight days of having him, she brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh and basically said, Eli, this is my son. I made a vow to the Lord. I want you to take care of him. I want you to train him up in the priesthood. And so every time they would come back to worship, she would get to see her son. But Samuel lived there with Eli and Hophni and Phinehas. But here's the deal. Hophni and Phinehas died tragic deaths. 
I mean, and I'm, when I say tragic, I mean like just horrible. The Lord was so, dis, uh, so displeased, so disappointed in what they were doing. He literally gives a word to Samuel and says, I'm just going to wipe them out. I mean, they are like making a complete fool of worship and sacrifice and all these things. But what was it that separated Samuel from Hophni and Phinehas? Growing up in the same home, same leadership as Eli. But I believe that there was something different. I believe that there was something that Samuel lived. Something that Samuel had in his heart that these two guys did not. It was hunger for the Lord. There was a desperation to hear and to know God. There was an anticipation. So here we go. 1 Samuel chapter 3, starting at verse 1. It says, meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Who is Eli? Cool. Who are Hophni and Phinehas? Cool. Who is Elkanah? Who is Hannah? Who is Ferb? Cartoon. I don't know. Okay, so here we go. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now, in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Suddenly, the Lord called out, Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied. What is it? He got up and ran to Eli, and he says this, Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. And again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you, did you call me? I didn't call you, my son, Eli said. Just go back to bed. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called a third time. And once more, Samuel got up and he went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? This is the third time. Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again. And if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed and the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak for your servant is listening. Again, what's the message title today? Thank you very much. Oh, that there would be about 5, 10, 15 Samuels in DSM Junior High. You guys asked me, took a little prompting. Did you ask me, Pastor Brandon, what does this have to do with me? Oh, no, it was past it, but thanks for asking again. <laughs> but, but here's the deal. I want to answer that question. Oh, that there would be Samuels in this generation who would have a heart like Samuel that we're reading about in the Bible to say, you know what? I want to hear the voice of 
God. You see, I think that Samuel, like many of you, obviously was loved by his family, okay? It's clear that he had a special calling on his life. Okay, some of you may complain about going to church like, oh gosh, I go to church every Sunday. I go to church every Sunday and Wednesday. Well, try going to church seven days a week, 24 hours a day. That's what Samuel's life was like, okay? So whenever, the, whenever Hannah brought him to the temple, that was it. It wasn't a vacation. It wasn't a sabbatical. This was his life in the house of God, serving Eli, serving the people, being trained up to become a priest, okay? God's house was Samuel's priority. It was his priority. It was his number one. There was no idols in his life. He didn't allow anything to distract him. So even if Samuel started off his mission of serving at the temple in Shiloh with Eli a little bit shaky, at some point he caught vision. At some point he realized that there was a call and there was a purpose on his life. And so I want to talk to some of you who are kind of starting off a little bit shaky. You don't even want to be here. Maybe you're like, just so you're thinking about a hundred different things. Like during worship, you're so disconnected or even while the preaching time's going on, you're just like thinking about what you're going to do later on. It's okay. Samuel started off a little bit shaky too, but he didn't leave. He didn't give up. He didn't walk away. At some point, you guys, I believe that heaven is literally going to invade your hearts and lives like never before. And you'll begin to realize that there is a great call, that there is a great purpose, that there is a great destiny on your life. And you are not just like everybody else in your generation. At some point, that's my prayer. I really, truly believe that. You guys understand that? So at some point, Samuel caught a vision for his life. And he was young. He was so young. He was so young. But age ain't nothing but a number. So old R&B song. Okay. So for Samuel, it wasn't that he was X amount older. He was too young. He was, he was the perfect age for God to use him. And I want to tell you guys, you're the perfect age for God to use you. Do you believe that? And just think about that. It's easy to just say yes, but are you living like you actually believe that? that God can use you, that God wants to use you to do something great. Samuel believed it, you guys. And so, so Samuel, Samuel, if, if Samuel didn't know anything else as a really young child, he knew about the presence of God. You see, in verse 3, what we just read, going back to 1 Samuel chapter 3, in verse 3, it says, The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle, near the ark of God. Everybody say the ark of God. Ark of God represents God's presence. It was like God's little box on earth where he said, okay, I'm going to pick somewhere where I'm going to place my presence on earth. And it's going to be in this box. It was beautiful. It was wooden. It was overlaid with gold. There was angels on the side. It's called the Ark of the Covenant or the Ark of God, one translation says. And so God's presence, he said, I'm going to take some of my presence. I'm going to literally put it in this place. And so it was a holy kind of thing. I mean, there were only certain people who could even touch the Ark of the Covenant because if not, they would die because of sin. Okay. And so, so Samuel, the Bible says, was sleeping in the tabernacle. But where was he sleeping, you guys? He was near the Ark of God. And I believe that Samuel, even just laying down and sleeping is a picture. It's a message to us. 
no, I don't expect for you to move into the prayer room, you know, in the World Prayer Center and like, you know, live the rest of your life there. But I am saying that this encourages us. This tells us that there is a certain way we're supposed to live our lives to where our hearts are constantly connecting with Jesus. You see what I'm saying? Even doing something as mundane as sleeping, that the last thing that you think about whenever you go to bed at night would be God. So when the first thing you think about when you wake up in the morning, man, God loves me. Today is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice, be glad in it. It's going to be a good day because Jesus Christ is on the throne and he loves me. I'm his son. I'm his daughter. I'm, you see what I'm saying? And so he slept literally near the Ark of the Covenant. We are not told that he was commanded or required to sleep in that area that is so close to the presence of God. But here's what I discovered, you guys. Those who sleep by the ark will leave the biggest mark. Those who sleep by the ark will leave the biggest mark. What am I talking about? The biggest mark of influence on your generation. The biggest, most significant things that you can do in someone else's life. That's what I'm talking about. So those who sleep by the ark, what do I mean by that? Just having Jesus on your mind, you guys, just throughout the day, just being open. Hey, God may speak to me. I'm going to tune in my ears. I'm going to listen to him. Shh. God is speaking. God wants to speak to you. Jeremiah 33 and 3 is one of my favorite verses. It says, call unto me and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Call unto me. Proverbs, it's one of my other favorites, 25, 14. I believe the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. The secrets of the Lord. It's one thing for your friends to tell you a secret. It's a whole nother thing for the God of the universe to say, I want to share with you some things that I'm not telling anybody else because you're my friend, because I love you, because I'm your friend. See what I'm saying? Those who sleep by the ark will leave the biggest mark. There was clearly a hunger for God that was building in young Samuel. Verses 4 through 7, again, it simply say that suddenly the Lord called out to Samuel. And Samuel replied, what is it? Samuel got it wrong, you guys. Like us so many times early on, Samuel got it wrong. God was speaking to him. He thought it was a person. And sometimes we can get that completely flipped around whenever we think it's people that's talking to us. But maybe God is speaking through them or God is wanting to say something to you. All I'm trying to say is that we serve a speaking Jesus. He is alive. He is well. This is one of the many things that separate him from all the other false gods of other religions. Our God talks to us. And the big deal in revivalists this week is you want to do something great for God. You want to call a generation back, but you want to seize your purpose. And listen to what God is saying to you. Come on, tune out some of the other voices or noises in your life. Some of you have already started that. I'm so proud of you last week. And some of you maybe just were too shy to come up here and say it, but I'm so proud of you crushing those idols. That's how you shut down the voices, getting rid of those things, even just for a season of fasting different things and saying, I really need to hear God's voice because I've caught a vision for my life. I'm not just another junior high kid that's just kind of coming to church. I was created. I was destined. I am called to do something great. I may not know exactly what it is, but I've caught a vision for my life and I'm not going to settle for anything at less. Does that make sense? It's going to take some of you just kind of getting a little bit of zeal, a little bit of passion on the inside of you and saying, God, speak to my heart. I'm listening. Shh. 
I'm listening. That's where Samuel was, you guys. So again, Samuel got it wrong the the first time. God was calling to him. He thought it was Eli, the priest. The big point, the big point from that verse or from this example is better to mistakenly respond to God's voice than to doubtfully dismiss it. Come on, every time, you guys, it takes risk, it takes risk takers. People who say, you know what, I'm not really sure. Maybe God's telling me to go and, and pray for my friend today, and oh, I don't really know. This may be Eli, this may be God, I don't know. Pastor Brandon said something, but uh, maybe, maybe I'll just kind of step out and just see, see what God might do. Maybe share my faith with somebody who I know doesn't even like me, but I don't know. Maybe it could be God. And we're going to pray for someone who's sick today. Could be God leading me. What if they're healed? What if? What's the worst that can happen? What if they're healed? What if they say, oh my gosh, tell me more about your Jesus. Hey, I want to come to your church. Hey, I want to come to your youth group. I mean, this works. This, what if? You guys, revivalists are willing to take risks. Does this make sense to you? And so I'm just telling you, I'm just saying, even in this season of your life, God is speaking to you. Shh. Are you listening? Are you listening? I just pray that there would be some Samuels that would be formed today. I mean, some Samuels that would just be created in this youth ministry today to say, you know what? I need to hear God's voice. I'm interested in what God has to say to me. There was clearly a hunger for God in Samuel. God's voice is your lifeline, you guys. There are so many voices that are drawing on you, especially in your teenage years. Everybody looking up at me. Especially in your teenage years. There are various voices that are calling out to you. You have voices of friends, sometimes negative influences. You have positive voices, you see what I'm saying? Who want to help but really don't know how. You have voices speaking to you through media, through culture, through books, through really weird books, through all sorts of calling you, drawing you, fighting for your attention. You have a whole TV networks and stations that are vying for the attention of every teenager in the world. So all I'm saying is, would you learn to tune into God's voice? We have this promise from Jesus in the midst of all these voices. I want to read John 10, 27 to you. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Okay, Milba, I have a task for you to fulfill today. Um, very simple. I have about two instructions that I want to give you. Basically, your goal is to make it from point A to point B. I'm not telling you where point B is. I'm not telling you where the finish line is. But I am telling you that you can do this, that you can make it. Everything's going to depend on you making a decision to hear my voice. If at any point you become discouraged, if at any point you become confused and you don't know what to do, stop where you are and listen to my voice. As long as you hear my voice, you're going to make it to your destination. Now, along the way, 
There's going to be some landmines. There's going to be some bombs that you're going to have to avoid. These are the temptations of life. As long as you hear my voice, you're going to be okay. Any questions? I believe in you. You can do this. You are destined. You are created to succeed. You've been blessed. I've given you everything that you need. So you're going to be fine. Just listen to my voice. Is that good? All right. So you won't be able to see. I didn't mention that. And that's the other crucial point. You won't be able to see. I'm going to be blindfolding you. But again, listen to my voice. You'll be okay. You understand? Right, three steps. Three steps. One more. One more step to your right, Milva. One more step to your right, Milva. One more step to your right, dear. There you go. Walk forward slowly. Keep going straight. A little bit more. Walk forward a little bit more. Don't go any further. You're doing great. You can hear my voice. I want you to stop and turn a little bit to your right. All right, stop. I want you to squat down. A little bit lower. Okay, I need you to walk forward. There you go. You're doing great. You walk forward. Keep going. A little bit more. A little bit more. Stop. Stand up. Need you to stand up. Turn to your left. Walk straight. Walk straight. What do you want to do? Stop. Stop. Turn to your right. Straight. Walk straight. Stop. Take a half step to your right. Stand up straight and tall. Nice and tall. Walk straight. Walk straight. Stop. Back up just a bit. Back up a little bit more. Stop. Turn to your left just a little bit. Stop. Now walk straight. Walk straight. Stop. Turn to your left. Nothing else for you to do. Sit down. Go back. Turn a little bit more to your left. Stop. Turn to your right a little bit. Now walk straight. Stop. Turn to your left. Turn to your right. A little bit more. A little bit more to your right. A little bit more. Now walk straight. 
I know the plans and the thoughts that I have for you. Plans to prosper you, give you hope and a future. Why would you listen to You can trust my voice. Walk straight. Just keep going. Slowly but surely, keep going. Stop right there. Turn around. Stop. Turn to your right. I've been here the whole time. A little more to your right. Now walk straight. Come on, Melba. What's over here? Follow me for you. Keep going. Stop. Now turn to your left. Stop trusting so much. Walk straight. You can do it. Walk straight. You don't need his voice. Walk straight. You don't need his voice. You're so far. You can stop. Milba, you did a great job. I just have a few questions for you. Could you hear my voice the entire time? No, I couldn't. It was really, really hard, especially with everybody shouting at me. And it felt like there was a time that you didn't talk at all. You're correct. There were some moments when I just trusted that you would listen to my voice and do the last thing that I told you to do. Did you become discouraged at any point? At any point did you think, gosh, I'm really not going to make it to my destination? Yes, there were some times that I thought that I wasn't going to make it, and I thought I was going to run into a lot of roadblocks along the way and fall into temptation, so it was really hard. Those obstacles that I was having you avoid, those were temptations, kind of like the temptations in life. There was in it everything from jealousy to lying to lust to negative relationships. And by listening to my voice, you had to slow down at some points, and I saw you even a little bit nervous. But that's kind of how it is on our journey with Jesus. We go through some seasons where we're nervous. We can't hear anything. It's like, God, are you even speaking to me at all? But in those moments, you did exactly what I asked you to do in the beginning. Remember I told you, if there's any point where you can't hear anything, just stop where you are and try to make your mind remember, what was the last thing I heard him say? How did it feel whenever you finally made it to the end point, to the finish line? It felt amazing. I felt that I was, um, I just completed what I was supposed to complete. I didn't run into anything, and it just felt amazing, and I felt peace. Were there any other voices that you heard along the way that maybe sounded familiar, like maybe some friends or just kind of where it was tempting to listen to them just because you had sort of recognized their voice, maybe some of the girls that were speaking to you because it's a voice kind of that sounds like yours. What was that like? It was hard because I heard the people that I was just familiar with. They, they sounded like, and they sounded like they had gone through the same journey that I was going through. So it was hard to discern, well, if they had already went through the same journey that I was going through, then how could I possibly make it? And as you were doing this, was there any one voice, obviously besides mine, that really stuck out, that kind of hit home with you? Maybe a voice that you've even heard in your walk with Jesus before. I'm going to ask you to just be real vulnerable. Was there any voice that was like, I've heard that one before, really, in my relationship with God? 
Yes, there's a voice that just said stop. Just stop. You can't make it anyway. Just stop. Just go back. Like, you can't make it. You're not good enough. So just stop where you're at. Don't gain any ground. And so even in this exercise, in this activity today, it was just kind of a practical sort of example. But I just want to encourage you and let you know the same way that you overcame those obstacles today, that's the same way that Christ calls us to overcome the obstacles in our own life. There are so many voices that are going to call out to us, to you as you go through your teenage years. Different voices, some familiar, some not so familiar. My encouragement to you is to continue to hear the voice of God as we continue in this series, Revivalists, that you would be like Samuel who says, you know what, I can hear God's voice, but you know what, even more powerfully, I'm going to obey. I'm going to be blessed because of it. I know the voice of my God. kind of wanted to give you that, just give you that visualization of what, you know, there's so many voices, you guys. And I think if every single one of us are really honest, um, you're hearing someone's voice. I hear so many times, you know, Pastor Brandon, like, what, you know, how do you hear God's voice? Like, I don't really know, like, you know, how do you know it's God speaking to you? Well, here's the thing, you're hearing someone or something, because to every single one of us, different voices are calling. Sometimes it's the voice of the enemy tempting you. And just like Milba was going through that field, there's landmines. Those landmines represented temptation and sin, right? You saw everything from lying to negative influences, all these different things. And you saw there, even whenever she got a little bit nervous and couldn't really move and was almost kind of paralyzed. I think that sometimes in our journey with God, you guys, it can be a little bit scary. It's like, okay, God, like for real, you know, where are you? Maybe, maybe you're going through some, some test and, and it kind of seems quiet. And you saw, even in that visualization, there's a time whenever I just stopped talking just to see what are you going to do? Are you just going to do your own thing? Or are you going to wait for my voice? First Peter two, nine says, but you are a chosen generation. You are royal priests, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light, that you may do something great for the Lord. It's you, it's you, it's you that God's speaking to today. It's you that he is calling. It's you that he wants to use. It's you that he wants to share his heart with. It is you. Make it personal this morning. Everybody stand to your feet as we get ready to close here. And thinking about this, thinking about that, I just want to ask you what, if anything, are you hearing God speak to you? Or maybe you're hearing some different voices, not like in a type of way, but just in your heart or even in your head. Maybe you've been listening to some lies of the enemy. I don't know what those are. Still a prayer ministry. I want you to come very quickly. I want you to just give us a few minutes. This prayer ministry is coming line toward the front real quick. Kyle, move this out of the way, please. So, so here's what we're going to do, because we want to give you an opportunity. If there's anything that you identified with, even in the message today, specifically, maybe you've been hearing some negative voices speaking to you. That can be in your heart. It can be in your head. 
or it can literally be from some family members or friends around you who they just haven't been very kind with their words, haven't been very encouraging. I want you to leave this place today knowing that you've heard the voice of God. There's an old song. I tell you guys, there's a song for everything. It's just the voice of truth tells me a different story. The voice of truth says, do not be afraid. The voice of truth says, this is for my glory. Out of all the voices calling out to me, I will choose to listen and believe the voice of truth. I'm encouraging you to make a decision to listen to the voice of truth and to silence every other voice in your heart, in your head, and in your life. Bow your heads right where you are. Father, I thank you today. Even as I've spoken your word, Lord, I thank you that you are speaking because you're a talking Jesus. You're a talking Father who loves to have communication with your sons and your daughters. I pray this morning for any who are hearing voices other than the voice of truth, other than the voice of love, other than the voice of the Father who loves them so much, God, who wants relationship with them. God, I pray that they hear a different voice this morning, that they hear a voice of love and encouragement saying, I love you, you are my son, you're my daughter, in you I'm well pleased, and I have amazing things for you to do. Jesus, I pray today that you release your peace, your anointing. In Jesus' name. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life.